You're tuned into the October Recovery Podcast. My name is AJ. I'm not an addiction counselor, specialist, or professional. On this podcast, you'll hear discussion regarding 12-step recovery programs and how they have impacted our lives. However, the podcast is not a promotion or an endorsement of any 12-step fellowship as a whole. The opinions shared on this show are those of the individual speaker. If you or someone you love is suffering from addiction and needs help, call Recovery Centers of America, 1-855-487-9626. The email is recoverycentersofamerica.com. There you will find detox, inpatient, and outpatient services in Danvers, Westminster, Mass., Maryland, Pennsylvania, and New Jersey. Another recovery option is Banyan Treatment Center, started by pro skateboarder Brendan Novak. Locations are Pennsylvania, Chicago, four locations in Florida, and one in Wilmington, Massachusetts. Also, help with addiction can be found at Foundations Recovery Network at 1-877-714-1318. October Recovery Podcast, Episode 16. All right, we are here Saturday morning. Paul, how you doing, AJ? This is pleasure the second. to be back here. Thanks, man. Thank you for coming. It's a pleasure to have you here. Oh, we didn't light the candle. Oh, we got the ambiance. Yeah. Yeah. He may be a nice one with a, a pyramid for my 15th anniversary. A medallion stuck in it. And, uh, and, uh, that was last year. I got 16 years now. It was, what is, is it July 10th? July 20th, actually. Right. I thought it was the 10th, too. You know, you forget after a while, you know. <laughs> but uh, it's amazing, you know. I remember who, who the hell could put 10 days together, you know. And you look back over time, you know, and, uh, geez, I get 16 years, you know. And it's uh, a, lo- a lot of good things have happened. You know, the promises do come true, you know. I mean, it's really tough in the beginning, you know. I've, I've been to a lot. I've met a lot of different people, lots of groups of people. You know, there were so many people there for me to help me in the beginning. All you had to do was walk through that door, you know. I mean, I, I spent a lot of years out there because I didn't want to get involved in AA. I can never admit that I was an alcoholic. That first step was a tough one. You know, you, you don't realize it, you know, to, to, to actually admit to yourself and to God to really mean it, not just to say, hey, I'm an alcoholic and, you know, blow things off. But to really mean it, you know, means you got to give up booze, man. And, and, you know, that was my best friend, you know. Booze was there when I was happy, when I was sad, when I was uh, pissed off and mad or, or joyous. And I wanted to celebrate. It was just always there, you know. I didn't uh, I didn't moan for people when they passed away or anything like that. I drank, you know. You know. You didn't feel. I didn't feel. That's what it was all about, I think, you know. Feeling didn't get you anywhere, you know. I mean, I don't know. You talked about um, when you walked in the door. I have a couple things that you, man, I want to I 
pull some of these things up out of you that you taught me and we're going to share with anybody okay. who's listening. Sounds good. And the first thing you said was you walked through the door. What would you what do you say to the guy, the newcomer? Because you were talking about sponsorship just now and I think we were recording and um you were like, you know, you have you talk to six guys and if one of them one of them make it, that that's a friggin' mirror. If you talk to a hundred guys and one of them makes it, that's a miracle. It's tough to understand that. Um, I'm on a journey where, for me, honestly, one of my character, it's not really a character flaw, but it is it is kind of a flaw, is I, I, I would like to save everybody. <laughs> well, you know, it's progress, not perfection. That's right. Me, you know, that was one of the things in early sobriety that was beating into my head. You know, uh, there was a woman I knew in early sobriety who was my uh, first sponsor's wife. And uh, she was like a saint to me. This this woman would just say the right thing all the time, you know. And she had grown up in the city. She grew up in East Boston, you know, and she did this, that, you know. She wasn't wasn't a good person. And she just turned into me. She was like Miss AA, you know. And she sponsored like 50 people or something like that, you know. And they sponsored. I mean, it just went on and on and on. She passed away from cancer, you know, years ago. And um, she used to, con- I'm trying to think of the right word, comfort us about how sad we felt about her dying. I mean, it was just really weird the way, you know, she was just so spiritual, you know. She'd be like, don't worry about it, it's okay, you know. Everything's like cleansed my soul, everything's good, I'm going to a good place, you know. And you're like, wow, how could you be, you know. I mean, I'd probably be pissed off I was dying young from cancer, you know what I mean. But, you know, I guess you go through phases. But the point is, you know, um, I forget the point now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we were talking about sponsorship and yeah. one person makes it. Yeah, and, you know, she sponsored so many. You know, and as I was saying when I came in, I, uh, you know, you try to go by what they ask you to do, you know, and it was, you know, I'd never say no to, to meetings, you know, or sitting down helping another alcoholic because you, you got to give it away to keep it, you know, and you don't understand that in the beginning either. You don't know what all this stuff is, you know, I mean, you just kind of, if you really want to get sober, you're just kind of doing what people tell you to do because everything I had done in the past hadn't worked. You know, so it's, I figured these people who had some sobriety, they must know what they're doing. Either that or on, they're on some kind of new drug and they're not telling me about it, you know what I mean? Because they're all Which I might also happy, want a part of. You know? <laughs> <laughs> but you're right. Like, it's like, it, that's faith right there. You're like, yeah. I don't know what the, what I'm doing, but I guess, I'll, I guess I'll come in and I'll listen. You know? What do you say to the guy who comes in and he's sitting in that meeting and he's like, I just want to fucking run? Oh, that's, that's any newcomer, you know? I mean, a guy walks, you know, I go to a Sunday morning meeting. Um, and I do it. It's a newcomers meeting. Uh, I've got 16 years. Why do I go to a newcomers meeting? Because that guy's there. That guy's there. That woman's there. You know, you see these people come through the door, and you can pick a newcomer out right away. They're usually a person that you look at them, and you can tell they feel like a piece of crap. You know, they're only here because they feel like a piece of crap because they've been beaten up because they can't find another way out. They're looking for help. You know, they've tried a million ways to do something about this alcoholism, to slow down, to, you know, back it off, to change drinks, you know, to take the length off, you know. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, you try everything you can and you just go back to, you know, getting beat up and it's, you know, it progresses. That's the terrible thing about the disease. You might enjoy it in the beginning. You're having a lot of fun when you're young, you're partying, you're this, that, you know. I mean, that's what happened to me, you know. I enjoyed the hell out of partying and getting high and all that stuff, you know. And then it just all caught up with me. You know, and it made me give stuff away. Everything that I'd worked for all my life, I started giving it away. Mm-hmm. And I, said, I ain't saying it took it away. I gave the stuff away because I voluntarily kept on drinking and drugging. Mm-hmm. And you just give everything away. So by the time you arrive, you know, 
you, you're beaten, mm-hmm. you know, and you walk in there and, and you sit in the corner. You, you know, you see all these people that are dressed good and they're smiling and they're happy and you don't feel like you belong because you feel like a piece of shit. You right. know what I mean? You probably, right. You're not looking too good inside. You burnt the hell out. You know, your spirituality's gone. You don't have any. You know, and what I do when I see this person, I immediately walk up to him and I introduce myself to him. I let them know who I am, and I tell them that they're in the right place, and they arrived, and that their life isn't over, that it's just beginning. Mm. You know, this is the first day of the rest of your life now. It's like your birthday, man. You know, things are going to get better, you know. It doesn't seem that way when you're sitting there feeling like crap. You might be shaking still and all of this, but it does. It gets better one day at a time. You know, that was the important thing for me was one day at a time because as a newcomer, the thought of never drinking again was just outrageous. There's just no way that's going to happen, you know. I always say this when I speak about the way alcoholics project things. I had a meeting one time, and this guy was talking about how is he going to stay sober through his daughter's wedding. I don't know if I mentioned this to you before or not, but, you know, he was like, you know, I'll never be able to make it to my daughter's wedding. He had a couple of months of sobriety, you know, and um, – why don't you think that? He says, I just, I just can't, I ain't going to be able to do it. That's something I got to drink at, you know? And it turns out his daughter was four years old. Uh, This this alcoholic had four months sobriety and he's worried about drinking in his daughter's wedding 25 years from now, you know? Time traveler. You know? That's where the one day at a time thing comes in. No doubt. You know? You got to remember it's just today. Mm -hmm. You know, that's what you got to try to do. If you try to say today, tomorrow, and the next day, it ain't going to happen. How am I not going to drink next Friday night? How am I not going to drink at the Patriots game? Don't worry about that. Just don't drink today. You know, that's how this program works. That's the way it was set up, whatever it was, 50 years ago. You know, when Bill and Dr. Bob get together, two alcoholics talking to each other, one drunk to another. That's what we found. That's what works in this program. Nobody else can understand you. Whoever you are out there listening, your wife can't understand you. Your husband can't understand you. If they're not alcoholics, they can't understand you. The doctor can't. The psychiatrist can't. The only person who can relate to you and you can relate to yourself is another alcoholic because they've been through the same thing that you've been through. Mm Mm-hmm. That's Is that so, a long answer to a no, short question? It's fantastic. <laughs> it's, it's got me thinking, you know, you, you, you say the first thing you do, and I that's what the meaning I got sober, Wakefield, 830. Come on. I mean, I recommend it to everybody. I remember you coming everybody. in and sitting there and looking like a piece of shit. You remember that? Yeah. yeah. I wish I had. You, you know, know, you were off on the side table, I you know, as I, where back. I was sitting, you were off on the yeah. right, you know, yeah. and you, first you were at the chair, then you were in the table next to us. I creeped my and way then, in Yeah, the and, then, uh, and then we grabbed you. Why were you gravitated but, towards that table, AJ? Because my, somebody came up to me and sh- shook my hand after about the fourth meeting, Mark, and he said, all he said was, why don't you come sit in with us next week? And in my brain, I said, no fucking way. And my <laughs> head went up and down. Yes, yep. I will. And that and was what it was. But you said that was him doing what you do. You said, you, you know, go- what I, I just wanted to interact here when you say Mark. Now, when I first started going out to that meeting, I remember Mark coming in. You know, and and I go. and I approached Mark. You know, and and, and I I mentioned to Mark. I says, "How you doing? Welcome, this and that." You know, Goosebumps, I, you know, and he was that newcomer who you were. Mm-hmm. And what did I start this this conversation out with? You know, you find one person and you help that person, and then he goes and he he helps a lot of people. And that's just what it was. Five years before, I had helped Mark. You walk through the door five years later, Mark walks out and helps you. That's how the program works, brother. That's living proof. You just said that without realizing it, you know? It's great. It's great. And we're going to talk a lot on this on this particular, me, you, me, and you, about newcomers because you're passionate about it. I see it. Like, that's your passion. You're so good at talking about the newcomer. But one other, I want to bring this up. 
a cool thing for a person who's not a newcomer who's listening, if that may be the case, is you talk about going over to that guy. So now we're coming into a meeting. And we may be like things that we're on, you know, we talk about being on the beam. We're spiritually good. We're mentally good. You just got married. You're good. Like I can see you're smiling. You just got back from a, you're on the beam, man. I can see it right now. You pulled up on your white holly, your helmet, (laughs) all smiles, right? But now you go into a meeting tomorrow and a kid's going to come in at his fucking bottom, beat up, beat as as low as he can go. And you're going to be able to get down and meet him where he's at. Oh, like, without, without that a doubt, is, That's the difference of going to a meeting and talking to somebody in the office. They, they, they can't meet you at where you're at because you, they don't know. They don't know where that gentleman's at who just And came that's the where meeting. the help starts. They don't know where that gentleman's at. You were talking about me being on the beam. Uh, yes, I am. Things have been going good, this and that. But I can still remember 16 years ago how I felt, you know, and, and I felt worthless, you know, and I had felt worthless for a long time before I actually decided that that was it, you know, and that this was what I was going to do. You know, I, I did all kinds of, I spent a good nine years out there. You know, I had dabbled in AA, you know, I'd go in, I'd listen, I'd go, ah, they all got the same story. You know, I thought they were a bunch of losers because they couldn't handle drinking and drugging like I could. Meanwhile, I was losing stuff. I had lost my wife, you know, I lost my job, you know, but I was still cooler than these idiots in AA, you know. I, I knew my own way. I'd stay sober for a couple of months. I'd go to the gym. I'd do this, you know, and, and I'd test them. You know, I remember them saying, you know, if you have one drink, you, you're going to start picking up again. And I would test it, you know. I'd stay sober for two months, and then I'd drink a couple of beers, right? And then I'd go a couple of days after that. And I'm, look, I drank a couple of beers. I didn't drink. I'm not an alcoholic, so I'm going out and get a 30-pack, and I'm going to start drinking again because I'm not an alcoholic. Mm. And bang, I was right back on the way, right yeah. back going at it again, you know? And I did this over and over again. Yeah. I would come up with excuses to drink, you know? I'd get some sobriety. I don't understand it because you'd start to feel good about yourself, you know? Physically, you're getting a little better. You start to feel good, but that drink is calling you in the back of your head because the disease is in your brain. That's the whole thing is the little guy in your head is talking you into drinking again, mm-hmm. you know, and, he, and he's waiting for you to have that moment, you know, where you want to celebrate something or you're sad. It doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It could be anything. And he's going to talk you into drinking again. And, you know, I avoided AA because I didn't want to become part of it, and that's why I kept going out because I didn't know how to handle that moment when a little guy in my head said, go have a beer, Paul. I'll go have a drink. Oh, that vodka looks good. You know? Why didn't you? Why didn't you want to be part of it? I think it's deep down inside. I didn't want to give up my booze. Yeah. I, I know. I started out saying it was it was my best friend. You know, it was there all my life. It, it controlled all my emotions. You know, I didn't have to have emotions. You know, you know the booze. The booze, I just couldn't pitch it, give it up forever. I kept proving to myself that I could stop. You know, two months here, three months there, and then pick up again. But when I picked up, you know, you'd say, "Well, I'm going to drink normal." Well, what is normal? You know, and I found out later in AA, I don't want to drink normal. That's not who I am. You know, I used to be jealous of the guy who could have like one or two beers or something like that, or one or two mixed drinks, and and then just go on to coffee or something like that. You know, I used to say, "I wish I could be like that," just because I wanted to continue drinking. But that ain't how I drank. You know, who the hell would want one or two drinks? You know, I want 30 drinks. You say That's you, how I drink. Yeah. You, you know? say you want to drink normal, but we can't. We can't. Drink normal. That's, that's what we had to realize, you know, and that was something I realized in AA. It's an allergy. We're allergic to booze. Amen, brother. You know, I heard a guy say way back in early sobriety, you know, the difference between an alcoholic and a non alcoholic person. He said when he was 13 years old, he drank a vanilla milkshake and it made him puke his guts out. He was sick as a dog. He says, I never drank a vanilla milkshake again in my life. 
He said, when I was 14, I drank a six-pack of beer, puked my guts out, was sick as a dog, and couldn't wait for the next Friday to do it again. Yeah. Now, there's, a, there's something there. What, what is that? Why didn't he ever drink a vanilla milkshake again? You know, when he got sick as a dog. Yeah, it's but ab- when he, you know, abnormal behavior. You know, it's just, you know, it burns. Why are you going to put your hand in there again? How long we, did it take for you? So you went out, you went out, you know, back and forth. and, and But when did you find, like, your allergy? Took, when did probably you? Probably took me nine years of playing with trying to get sober on my own, you know. I mean, even prior to that, I had, you know, some friends that went into AA, you know. And, and once again, you know, I thought, you know, they can't handle it. Yeah. What's wrong with them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, you had friends, and just quick, quick, like prior to AAA, we, you, I had you on, and we talked for a couple hours, yeah, man, and yeah. I fucking blew it. I didn't save it. We That's cried, okay. and yeah. we laughed. <laughs> but it's okay, because it wasn't meant to be. I called you, and I lost two hours of our recording, and yeah. I was... I, I was But you know, I really thought about bumming. that. I think what we're doing now is better, because that kind of recording, that was kind of like all about me. And and that's not what it's supposed to be about. It's all about it's all about the, the newcomer funny? out there. And then you, you know? said to me because I, I thought about it over and over, and I was like, you know, that isn't where I wanted to go. That's that's why that recording didn't make it. He didn't want you it. You know, they didn't. It, it wasn't, wasn't going to be there. It wasn't about you know my drunk log and this and that and everything. It, it's this is supposed to be about us helping a newcomer that's out right. there or somebody who wants to get into this program. That's we right. want positive stuff. We, we don't do. want stuff that we're on the back. We all get the same drunk log. You know, we we drank, you know, and we lost, you know, and that's why we're here. We drank you know, and we lost. It's, it's as simple as that. Every you know, drinking time. don't work for us, so we're here now, and what we need to do is to find a way to not drink. You know, I detoxed a million times, so anybody can get sober, but it's learning how to live sober, and that's what AA is all about. It teaches you how to live day in and day out without a drink. And, and very important, be happy, AJ, you know, well, that and com- make new friends. Well, that and- com- yeah, that comes with it. That comes with the territory. That comes with... Being part of the fellowship, being part of the program, giving yourself up, being humble—like the first thing, step one—is—is is, well, you got to admit that you got a problem. That's some humility right there. Yeah, you know, and then, and then life you become unmanageable. Yeah, and then you give yourself up, and you realize that I, I gotta, I gotta do something different, and you, and you meet new friends. You said so much there. I forgot something I wanted to say, but um, I have a thing. Oh, I know what I was going to say. You, um, We were talking about the newcomer, and, and yeah, yeah. What happened when I lost this recording, I called you. I was beside myself, and all you did was like this. Dude, it wasn't meant to be. We're going to do it again. <laughs> and that was it. Like, that was a perfect – that had recovery written all over it, that statement, yeah. because you you knew. Um, all right, so your past, we know your past. We, we're not going to – we're not going to go into the blue – the blue – the blue acid, the blue acid, <laughs> purple haze, and all that stuff. Days, you know. But you had a tough upbringing. You, you grew up in Chelsea, and it was tough. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was tough. Was... And you, I mean, like, yeah, you got into booze, and you fucking realized you couldn't stop, and you spent nine years trying to get back. Yeah, that and, was that was after thirty years of drinking. Thirty years of drinking, know? and I mean, and it was a normal thing, you know. I'm not gonna like I say get into drunk a lot, but playing in bands, where, where having up, fun. Everybody drank like I did, so it was normality. Yeah, you know, we yeah. we laughed at people who didn't drink and drug. You know, we thought they were weirdos. You know, probably beat them up and shit. You know, <laughs> right? For not getting high, you know. <laughs> but I mean, that's where you're at, man. You know. But I mean, it, you know, it's so different now. I'm so much happier. You know what I mean? You talked about the allergy. So when you were struggling in and out, in and out, in and out, do you remember like when it, did it click? Did it, I mean, did that allergy click? Was there a certain 
guy that maybe you know, they, made a difference, or was it just the last detox? Knock on wood. I was up at Tuxbury State Hospital, and some people from AA came in, you know, and it was this guy named Eddie. He was a veteran, you know. I'm a veteran myself, and um, he uh, he had four months of sobriety, and he was talking about the way he drank and the job he had. He had this wicked job at the airport. He was a mechanic and stuff like that, and everything. And he had lost it. He was also a shop steward, you know. He managed to get fired. And I had done that too. I was a shop steward in the union. I managed to get fired. It was quite an accomplishment, you know, for on both of us, you know. So that's what we'd brag about in life, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he, he said that he was a member of Club 24 and that, you know, he was a veteran and he was doing some stuff up at the Bedford VA and things like that. And, uh, you know, when I was getting out of this detox, um, they, you know, you hear a lot of people talk about a moment of desperation. And um, when I was getting ready to get out, uh, it was a five-day thing, you know, and I had been in many detoxes, and uh, it just just hit my head. It, it came into me that, you know, like in a couple of days, I'm getting out of this detox, and um, in five days, four weeks, five weeks, two months, I'm going to be drinking, and I'm going to be all alone in my apartment, not wanting to look in the mirror, and feeling like a miserable piece of shit again, and there wasn't a damn thing that I could do about it. And, and and it was real. It finally hit me. You cannot change this, Paul. You do not have the power. You are going to be a drunk for your entire life, which probably ain't going to be that long anymore. And uh, when that realization hit to me, I fell to my knees and I asked God in sincerity to please help me and uh, to do something about this, you know. And uh, I got out of detox and um, I had quit a job. I went on this drunk you know, and uh, so I had time. I went down to Club 24. I met that guy, Ed. I met him again up at the Bedford VA. You know, we didn't even know we were going to run into each other and stuff. And we just kind of run started running into each other at meetings. And I kind of ran him. He had four months sobriety. I thought he was like a god. You know, I couldn't believe anybody couldn't drink, could not drink for four months. You know, and, and be happy about it, you know. And then, you know, he, he introduced me to a lot of people. You know, that's that's the way it works, you know. And uh I, I, I ran into a lot of people at the club. I went to the club all the time. I, I got myself another job, but I got a job that I didn't work a lot of hours, so I would have time for meetings. You know, I, uh, I started chasing a program. I opened up the big book, and I read it. The big book's first, first pages, you know, it, it tells you how to get sober. It's like instructions for baking a cake, you know. If you, if you read the book, it tells you what you need to do, you know, how to get sober and stay sober. And, uh, you know, it's a little hard to understand at first because when – when you first get sober, you can't concentrate on anything. You know, I used to open a big book and I would read it, you know, and I'd, I'd go through like two or three pages and I'd be like, what the hell did I just read? You know, because my mind is in 30 different places. You know, it's three o'clock in the morning. Right. I can't sleep because I'm not drunk. And and my mind is everywhere. You know, it takes a while, you know, and it's a little bit slowly, you know, to quote somebody from that meeting. And, um, you know, it gets better, you know, and, and I, I started to learn it, you know, and then I. I started picking all people I wanted to hang with. A tough thing for me was giving up friends. That that used to be a trigger for me. You know, what's a trigger? A trigger is something that brings you back to drinking. You know, it's, it's a term in, in uh, AA. And um, I would miss my friends, you know, and I'd want to go hang with them, you know. And, and I would go to Chelsea and I'd go sit in a bar and I'd drink Cokes because I, I wanted to go meet my friends, you know, and I wanted to go pick up women and do this, you know, and all this stuff, you know. I mean, I was still a guy. And, uh, you know, you sit in a bar drinking Cokes is the old haircut scenario, you know. You sit somewhere long enough, you know. And even if I didn't do it that first night, you know, I mean, I was drinking Cokes like I'd be drinking beers, so I'd have 20 Cokes in me and it was, I'd go home and I couldn't sleep. I was wired, you know, so I'd drink the next day. <laughs> Either way, I was going down, you know. Yep. So I had to stop going with them friends, you know, and these were lifelong friends. 
you know, and they weren't all alcoholics. Some of them didn't drink alcoholically. Like one of my best friends, this this guy, Buddy, he was he's a drummer in a band that I played with for years. You know, he told me, you know, I told him I couldn't see him anymore. You know, and he had seen me in some of my worst times. You know, I used to go to his house sometimes and, and drink all his wife's booze and stuff and everything, you know, and, and they didn't say nothing to me because they loved me. We'd been through a lot together. You know, I had helped him in tough times, this and that, back and forth. But, um, you know, back to this date, you know, he, he told me, he says, you know, I, I know I can't see you anymore for a while, Paul. He should told me about it. He says, and I'm glad I'm not going to get to see you anymore, Paul. And he says, I'm saying that because I love you. And he wow. says, if it's going to get you better, then it's worth not seeing you anymore. He says, one day we'll get back together again. You know, when you can handle it. Hmm. And uh, and that happened, you know, and, and and there was the few good friends that, you know, I had to leave behind. Most everybody else was associates and stuff, you know, and uh, that pushed everybody away anyway. My booze and, uh, you know, years later into sobriety, I, I started hooking up with some of my old friends, you know. Uh, a guy I played guitar with, you know, in a, in a band, you know, that had been out there, wasted and all that and everything. He got sober, you know, and uh, and I ended up hooking up with these guys and playing music again in sobriety, yep. you know, which was something I was afraid to do. People used to ask me to come play music with them, and I didn't want to because I associated music with drugs and alcohol. Sure. You know, I associated everything with drugs and alcohol, going to concerts and stuff like that, you oh, know. Oh, yeah. I mean, I've been to a million concerts. I probably remember like one-fifth of them, you know. I mean, But now I go to concerts and I enjoy them, you know. I sit there and listen to the music. I enjoy everything so much more, you know. That, that's good point, you know, good stuff about like um, your acquaintances and stuff like that. And I was so scared and bumming when I came in because it's a social it's a social drinking world. And I couldn't be around it at the beginning. I, I just couldn't for me. You know, slowly I'm getting there for sure. And you learn these different tools like they taught me to arrive late and leave early. That was that was a big one. Like, I didn't know you could do that. Yeah. You know, bring your own drinks. Bring a cooler of, of seltzer or water or whatever you're going to drink. But have something in your hand. Like, th- that, th- that stuff helped me, helped me early on. Yeah. And, you know, people don't point at you and pick on you because you're not drinking. You know, you think that's they, what we think is alcoholics. Everybody's going to think, wow, that guy's freaking weird. You know, he's not drinking. Nobody notices. You know, I mean, someone might say you want to drink. You say, no, no problem. Nobody cares, you know? Right. I used to think everybody got shit-faced at weddings, you know, until I went to weddings sober and realized I was probably the only guy who got shit-faced at weddings, you know? <laughs> everybody else has a couple of drinks and a cup of coffee later, you know? And if they ask you, I, a guy said to me one time, because this is the conversation I was having with him, and he said, if they're not going to care, and he goes, if they do, AJ, ask Ask him or her why they want you to drink so bad. Yeah. So that I, that was cool. Yeah. Like, to, like, why do you want me to have a, their drinking, right? <laughs> yeah. Why you do know? you want me to have a beer so bad? Yeah. But um, you early on, I was it was early for me, and you taught me. You've taught me so much. Um, I, I've only ever passed on passed. what's been taught to me. Yes, sir. You know, a lot of people say, Paul, you know this, you know this, you know. I, I didn't know any of this stuff. Yes, you sir. Know, it was passed on to me from the people who came before me, you know, and I pass it on to the people who come after me, and that's how this program works, you know. The people who taught you taught me through you, and they taught me, and you taught me uh, a couple things. One thing was, so my uh, sobriety date is November 23rd, but my last beer was July 14th, 2012. And the reason my sobriety date is different because in that, and I have told this a little bit before, but if anybody hasn't heard, so I picked up um, pills that weren't mine in that time period between July and November. But I was still going to meetings. I thought I was just You weren't drinking, right? (laughs) I wasn't drinking. That was that mind thing again telling you. It's okay to do drugs. You're just not drinking, man. No, but it was, it really kind of, 
and for me, it wasn't the mind thing. It was really, I didn't know what sobriety was. So I, um, he's allergic. Yeah. <laughs> he's got hay fever. So I, I picked up some, some, some pills and I took them cause they made me feel good, you know? And, um, that was November 23rd. And, uh, if in December I found some more, I would have taken them. And if January there was some more, I would have taken them. And if February there was some more, I would have taken them. Um, but in March, something I heard something at a meeting, and the woman told that story. She had drank until a certain date, and then she picked up pills a couple months later, and she had to change her sobriety date. And it struck me right between the eyes. I learned that day that I wasn't, sober for those few months between July and November. So I got out of that meeting and I called you. I told you exactly what happened in that manner. It took me about two minutes and you went like this, dude, you got high. You got to change your sobriety date. <laughs> that was it. That's it, man. What, what do you expect? A beating? <laughs> I didn't know what to expect. You know. I was a learning experience, yeah. so I didn't know what to expect. Yeah. But the point is I was truthful because of the program. I wanted to be sober that I came to you and I looked for advice. You know, that's, you know, you mentioned truthful. That, that's, that's one of the great things about this program. Um, being truthful is so much easier than um, making all these lies that we used to live. We used to live our lives. You had to remember the lies. You know, there was so much. It's just so much easier to be truthful. Mm. You know, and what you mentioned about the pills, I learned that because during my years of trying to get sober, I used to pick up pot all the time too. You know, and I'd smoke pot. You know, but eventually that pot will tell you that you know a little wine or a little beer to, to wash the pot down because you get such a dry mouth would be nice. You know, and see, I agree, sober, I agree with that. Know? Because I tried all them things, you know. I mean, I did everything I could to keep from playing this, playing, being part of this program 100%, you know. And that's how I learned stuff, too, to pass on. Because, you know, I used to always tell my daughter when she was growing up, you want to do something stupid or wrong? I said, don't do it. Just ask me about it. I'll tell you because I've done it all. <laughs> you know, I'll tell you what the results are, you know. Yep. Yeah. And that helps you teach people. You don't want to do that because this will happen, man. You know what I mean? It's not good. You know. <laughs> that's. I agree with what you said. I mean, you... There's debate about people saying, I don't put a mind-altering drug in my body. And I have a problem with that because it's not binary. It's not black and white to me. My story, there's mental illness. And I believe that, a prof you know, we're not doctors. So if you have something mentally debilitating you have to see a, a specialist who's trained in that and by the way ask people get some recommendations on a good doctor because there's there are a lot of great doctors but there are some ones out there too who aren't very good a lot of them don't understand the disease of alcoholism either that's right but i'm yeah. talking but i'm talking about mental illness so if, if you're going to do mind-altering drugs, if you have some people, in my opinion, have an imbalance in their mind, chemically, they were born with, and prescribed by a doctor, prescribed by a doctor, is outside of the 12-step program. Do you understand what I'm saying? I understand what you're saying, AJ, and, and this is a... Uh, I wish I could think of the right terminology, but it'd be, it's, it's a big debated thing in, in, uh, in sobriety and, and AA. I mean, there's, you know, there's like people who do drugs to help them get sober. Like, for instance, if you have a heroin addiction, 
you know, I, I don't know what they're doing now. Suboxone. Suboxone or something like that. But there's a couple of them. You know, and maybe they need that to help detox, you know. When I went into detoxes for alcohol, there was four or five days that they gave you whatever it is they give you. To, but I didn't continue to do it for months and months and right. months and years and years and years. Yeah. You know, and it just is just a personal opinion, you know, of my own is, you know, if you're going to get sober, you've got to be sober. You know, you're not going to clear up your mind and get and find out what originally made you need that booze and drugs right. unless you're completely sober. Because, you know, it stopped the growing process for us. When, when, when we were growing up, I mean, I, you know, in the beginning of this conversation, I mentioned I didn't have emotions, you know, I didn't get sad, I, you know, because I used drugs and alcohol to cover up all them emotions. Well, when you get clean and sober, you got to learn how to deal with them emotions because they're going to come back now. You know, when you get sad, you don't have the booze to make you not feel sad or make you sad or whatever it was the booze did, you know, or when you're happy or this or that. Those are the trigger things again, too. You know, you got to watch out for because you don't know how to deal with the emotions and you think, how did I deal with this emotion? Well, I got high. Well, you can't get high now, so now you have to grow up. You got to put on a big boy or a big girl pants, you know, and learn how to deal with emotions. It's something we didn't learn how to do with when we were young because we started getting high in the first place. We never dealt with them emotions. And the program helps you to do that. We have a step, 12-step program here, and that's what it does. It helps you to figure out who you are and to clean out the past. And, you know, I mean, it goes on and on. You can't you can't describe the whole 12-step program in, a, in, a, in an hour podcast, no. you know. It's a lifelong process. Mm -hmm. You know, it's progress, not profession. It's step by step, slowly but surely. But it teaches you who you are and you learn what those weaknesses are and what you, you know, the good points you have, the bad points you have. And you can figure them all out and balance them. And you won't need to do drugs Mm. or alcohol. I Mm. mean, you know, there's so many things that they prescribe drugs for now. You watch TV, you know, you get an itchy eye, you know, and if you take this pill, your eye won't itch anymore, but your nose will fall off and your ass will bleed. You know, I mean... (laughs) I mean, why do you need that? You know, just scratch your eye, you know, and you won't need that pill. You know, America, it's like the prescription companies are like legal drug dealers nowadays, yeah, you know, and they own brutal. Congress and all that. I mean, we're going into a really touchy thing here. Yeah, it's political. About, you know, we, it's it's all political. It's, yeah. You know. But it, it's not right, you I know. Mean, the Young point. kids. Young kids. They, they give them, I don't even know what it's like. I get a granddaughter now. They put her on something because she's hyperactive, yeah. you know. So they give her something that's supposed to slow it down, you know. I mean. Why would you do that? You know, when I went to school, they didn't have that. Yeah. You're hyperactive. The teacher slapped you in the head and told you to sit down, you know. Yeah. Maybe that's wrong. Listen, well, I wasn't I wasn't addicted to drugs that early. I mean, and they do this to all the kids. It's to say it's for profits, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's, well, some of them need it, so but I, I know what you're saying. That's what I'm just saying. It's really a weird subject to get it is into, tough. Yeah, you know. We, yeah. Because yeah. there's I so many points, you know. I mean, this one could show, well, you know, they need it, this and that. And I mean, everybody's got their own opinion. Yep. But my opinion in AA you know, sobriety is sobriety, mm-hmm. you know. I mean, unless you physically need something. Right. You so, know, I mean, you know, you, you've got some kind of ailment. Yeah. But, you know, we mentioned doctors too. Just in my experience now, I had a problem with my hip, and I went to the VA about it, and I wanted to get a hip replacement or whatnot. And all these doctors there wanted to do was prescribe me narcotics. Now, I got sober in the VA, but these same doctors were like, we're going to give you these narcotics. will make you feel better. And I would tell them, I don't want narcotics. Mm-hmm. I'm a drug addict and an alcoholic. Mm. Why would you give me narcotics? Well, because you're in pain. Just don't take them, you know, <laughs> druggishly or alcoholicishly. But I said, but I'm an alcoholic and a drug addict. You tell me to take one every five hours, I'm going to take five every hour. You know, that'll make the pain go way better. 
You know, I mean, that's the way my brain thinks. Why would you give me these things? Me so, you know, you can't always trust doctors either, you, you know, in that. my opinion. Well, yes. You know, it's right in AA. That's what you're going to sponsor for. That's what you have other people in the program for. Yes. That's why you go to meetings. There's step meetings. There's big book meetings. There's so many different programs in AA. They will help you work things out right. and find out who you are and, and solve these problems on your own. Exactly. You these know? people will, if there is a problem, I mean, like I so I think what what we've kind of come to, which is kind of a cool little bow maybe here, is, uh, you know, the doctors help you if you need it because there are some people who need additional help. And then if things don't seem right, you have a fellowship of honest people who are going to help you get to your gut. And your gut is going to tell you if it's right or if it's wrong. Yeah. Because if you're doing something and it doesn't feel right inside, it's probably not. Right, and and, and, and the people the here people, are, the are going to help AA, you. There's people who probably did the same thing. Right, they're going to help, and you that's get how they there. can help you. Yes. You know, yeah. There's got to be there's people, and they have done all of these things. They're going to help. That's you how get, we help each other to get to the truth. Like you said, peeling back that they call it peeling back the onion, getting ripping away the wreckage of the past, and this is what this twelve step program is about for me: ripping back who AJ wasn't and getting to who AJ is. Yeah, it's becoming the person you were meant to be in the first place. Yes. Before you sidewinded yourself. Yes. You know, yeah. that's what we did. God had a plan for everybody, yeah. you know, and, and we, we changed that plan because he gave us free will. You know, we can do what we want. Take the left road, take the right road, you know, make a deal with the devil or, or do this or do that. You know, you can do whatever you wanted to do. Go ahead and do it. But he'll always be here for you. That's, that's how right. we end up in AA, you know. There's a lot of drunks out there who, who would wish they could be here. But they're not. They can't find their way in. For us that found our way in, I thank God every morning and every night. You know, and, and I'm not a holy roller. I went to a Catholic church. It turned me against God because, you know, they used to beat you. God was all punishing and this and that. And, you know, he's not the kind of person I know. And I, and I knew he shouldn't have been that person. You know, the, the program, it, for me, it really works. You it know, it and, works. Uh, it has worked. You know, this program does it's work. It's given me a life second to none. You hear people say that. You know, what are you talking about, you know? But, uh, you know, if, things are good. Yeah. You know? I, I was at death's door 16 years ago, you know, and, and wishing for it, you know. And I've had the last 16 years of my life, and, and it, they slowly got better spiritually and everything like that. You know, I, I got back the daughter that I had tossed aside. You know, she, I gave her away. She was married. You know, like you said, I, I just recently got married again, you know. I could go on with the material things that have come back, but it's not about material things. It's about the spiritual things. It's about... I feel great about helping other alcoholics because I know how they feel when they come here. And I know how I felt. And if I can just give a little bit to that person to help him on the right path, it just it just makes you feel so good inside, you know? And, and that's how I keep my sobriety mm-hmm. is by giving it back to that newcomer, which is what we started in this conversation, that poor person that's sitting in that room looking for help, you know? And all we can do is offer it to them, you know, if they don't want it. That's the thing about this program I want to just throw out to people. If you don't want to get sober, it ain't going to happen. You know, you got to want it to get it, you know? And if you want it, everybody's there to help you. The directions are in the big book. The big book is Alcoholics Anonymous, written by the... uh, was it written by the alcoholic people? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, there was a bunch but, of them, but Bill but and no, Bob. Yeah, when were they the put it together, you know, when yeah. they first started it, and they came up with the book and they published it, and it's got the directions, you know, and they debated over that for years. What should we put in? What shouldn't we put in? What's right? What's wrong? You know, how do we do the concept of God? That's a tough concept to work on, you know. And then in alcoholics, it's you know, it's as you choose them to be. You know, it doesn't have to be anything in particular. Just you just have to know that you alone cannot get sober. 
you know, and where I found God helped me in early sobriety is when I'm at AA meetings, that's fine. I'm around sober people. Everything's there. You know, I got people who are going to watch me. I ain't going to drink. But when I'm in between them meetings and I'm by myself and the little guy in my head is telling me I need to drink and stuff like that, I don't want to be alone. And that's when I know God's on my side. You know, I can just ask him to please help me, you know, and I can get on my knees and say, you know, help get me through this day, help get me through this moment. You know, that sounds weird to people out there. It works, mm-hmm. you know, because you're never alone now. And yeah. God could be that chair or a TV mm. or the, the big spirit in the sky or it could be Jesus or it could be Muhammad or whoever it has to be. You anything, know, but whatever I, it works so you're not alone. I heard somebody say yesterday, anything that is more powerful than you are. That's what you have to understand is that alcoholism is more you... powerful than you. So you have to find a substitute for that and, and not in another drug, but in a spiritual being. A couple things. You said some awesome stuff. Um, material. You said material things. And that's great. I mean, I, so I've learned when I first came in, I thought um, I, I got well. And when I was well, I started to think I don't want to have anything material because that's not good. But now progress, not perfection. I've learned that possession, like you came, you you drove up on this beautiful white Holly, fucking nice bike, <laughs> by the way. And you have that because of where you are in life. And it's okay because it doesn't possess you. Possessions are fine. It's what possesses you is when the problem comes in. The last time I possessed, I was homeless in a VA in Bedford, you know, looking at the wheel going around me. What you do you know, mean? The, I was the West? You talked about possession, and, and I was possessed by alcoholism, you know, and, and I didn't own anything. You know, I'd thrown it all away, and I can remember them days too. Yeah. So it is nice to, you know. Yeah, that was your possession, nice booze. You know, you yeah, coveted it, that. It, that it, was it your idol. Me. I didn't possess it, it possessed yeah. me, you know. Yeah. Yeah, but and like, then, forgot, you know, so if, it's like um, if you buy like, um, you know, a new, a new, um, brand new uh, widget. <laughs> and you that's like you're showing it to everybody and that runs your life that's a problem because yeah. that's that's possessing you but possessions are okay there's nothing wrong with having nice stuff that, there was nothing you know, wrong with having nice stuff as stuff. long as it doesn't possess you yeah. and then um you said shit something else you know we're talking about the newcomers i, I just thought of something I too what i hear a lot with young people coming into the program and uh Young people who listen to some of the old timers tell their stories about losing everything and this and that. And they'll be like, well, you know, that hasn't happened to me yet. I'm young. I don't want to, you know, you didn't burn out until you were 40, so I can still drink for 20 years, this and that. You know, and that's the booze talking again, too, and the drugs talking again. Because if you can get it at 21, 22, you don't have to lose all that stuff. You don't have to go down that road, skid road, and burn out and lose all that stuff. You can start living your life now. You know, if I could have gotten sober at 20 years old, I mean, things would have just been, you know, awesome. You know, it would have been better for my daughter. You know, I mean, not things didn't turn out right, but life would have just been a whole different. The whole, I would have taken that right fork, life would have been different, you know. Who knows? You might not even have had your daughter. So, you know, as a young person coming in, you're not too young to get sober. And you're not missing anything. Mm. There's there's all kinds of programs out there. I mean, there's there's all kinds of social events that go on for young people in AA. You mm-hmm. can get together, you can do all kinds of stuff, you know? Yep. And you don't even need the, the program to do it. I mean, you know, I used to say, it was funny, I used to say to people, the only thing you can't do when you come here is drink and drug. You can do anything else. I used to tell them, you could fly a plane, you could ride a bike, you could climb mountains, you could do this, you could do that. You know what? I've flown planes, I've climbed mountains, I ride a bike, you know? 
I mean, it's, and I didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. And it's just things I was able to do through sobriety. Yeah. Yeah. You know? It, yeah. It, it just teaches you to be, you know, to admit, to give yourself up, you know, give, you know, you, give, give yourself up, surrender, put your arms up. Like and the a, program teaches you too to remain humble through this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Well, I, that's part of, that brings me to a next thing I wanted to say. So a newcomer's in the meeting and they're fearful and they don't want to raise their hand. So what do you what do you say to a newcomer who's feeling? Well, that's that? why you approach them, you know, when they're first sitting there all alone, you know. Um, I'll usually my thing is if I see somebody in the room, you know, that I didn't notice, and this is a meeting of a hundred people, you know. I'll usually go up and say hi to them, you know, and uh, introduce myself and and you know let them know they're in the right place and everything, and and that's it. I'll let them be to themselves, but. I watch, you know, if I see that person the following week, you know, I'll say hi again and I'll tell them, you know, hey, you're doing good, this and that. You know, you need a phone number or something, you know. And then I'll watch them. And if by the third, fourth week that person's still coming, I'm grabbing them, bringing them to my table, you know. I'm hooking them up with some other people and everything because they're trying, you know. Because that thing that I said about you've got to want it, you know. I try to watch to see if, if they're going to want it, you know. And if they want it, they'll keep coming no matter how bad they feel. And if they keep coming, then we're going to grab them. We're going to pull them in. Mm-hmm. You know, and we're going to give them what they came for. You know, like we started this conversation on about, you know, you try to help some people and they just go out again, you know, and then you, you start feeling bad yourself and why should I try to help people, this and that. You know, that's one of the things I found. You watch someone for a little bit. You know, like I said, they come in, you let them know they're in the right place. And, you know, if I see them two, three, four weeks in a row, then I'm grabbing them, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm going to get a little heavier with them. You know, I'm going to say, now you need to do this. Yeah. You know, it's, and and, it, and in AA, it's all suggested, but I'll let them know. I start telling them who I was. And you think, you're bad, man. You know, let me tell you some shit, you know. And then you go on about, you know, I did this and I did that. And they're like, well, I never did anything that bad. So, see, you can be saved because right. I have been, right. dude, you know. Right. And you're in the right place. And so that's that's really, that's great for a newcomer to hear because what I'm hearing you say is if um, – somebody new is is coming into a meeting we're watching you and um we're keeping an eye out on you and you're part you're part of it even though you may not feel like it you're, you're in it like you the are whole program is based of, on the newcomer and, and that's why they on. say so when somebody says keep coming that's what that's why they're saying it it's like okay you came you came this week Come again next week, man. I want to see your face. Bring the body, the mind will follow. I mean, there's all kinds of things people say, but it's just about if you keep coming, you know, you're going to come along and we're going to take you along and you're going to get sober. And then, like we said, eventually down the line, Mark approached you, you know, and he pulled you in, you know, and then I'm sure you've sponsored a lot of people since then. You put, you've got your own podcast thing going on here, AJ, you know. And I've talked to the guys about it. They're saying, well, you're getting better at it. You know, you're almost like a commentator now. Who knows? Maybe someday I'll need your, your autograph, man. you say, I used to know that guy when he was nope. just working out of his power, you know? <laughs> that would be a problem. Um, yeah. So a guy, um, so I have written down here something that might be important is, um, you know, when I first started it and it was like, I was like five or six months sober and I was going to go to the Patriots game and uh, it was a playoff game at Gillette Stadium and it was a Sunday morning. I was at the meeting and I had the ticket. It was paid for. I was going. Yeah. And we talked after the meeting, you know, what's going on? You said to me and I said, well, I'm going 
into the Pats playoff game, and you were like, "Whoa, dude, hold on!" <laughs> you go, you, you were like, you said something like, "You going into the devil's, devil's kitchen?" Den, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yep. But um, but I went, and it was difficult. It was tough. I mean, we we I went and I we ate with a buddy, and we ate you know at a bar. That wasn't too bad. But I was staring at the bottles. But I was okay because I was a driver and he was having drinks. But in the um, in the space in in Gillette Stadium, I was definitely noticing um, the beers and stuff. Oh, you're like watching that. people drink. You're counting the beers they drink. You're counting the drinks they drink because you're so jealous that they're drinking. But I want wishing you were doing it. You, you know. Do. But I want to say that's okay. Like I I learn now. I hear it a lot that that and that's normal. So don't I just don't want people don't have that be a trigger. Yep. To go out and drink because it's tough. That's gonna it, it, that's gonna happen. Well, to that's you. the thing Probably about person, place, and things. You can't go to places that you used to because you're gonna drink. You told me not you know? to. The most abnormal. Yeah, but you did it anyway. You know, when I first came into the program, I did all kinds of stuff. I yep. wasn't. Don't yep. date before a year. You know, don't thirteen step. Thirteen step, and for people no knows, I was trying to pick up girls in the program when I had two three months sobriety. They'd come in with a week, and and I'm trying to tell them how much sobriety I got, and I'm picking them up, and I'm doing all the right things instead of helping. Them. That newcomer, you know, I'm trying to seduce this girl or something like that. I mean, that wasn't the right thing, but I didn't know. I was new in the program, you know. That's why you got to have, you know, eventually my sponsor found out about that, you know, and, and he almost whacked me out, man. <laughs> what are you trying to do? You don't do stuff like that. Yeah. We're here to help each other. How are young women going to come in here and get problems? This guy's preying on them, you know. They need to come here and be sober too, you know. Geez, that makes me think about other things, you know. I remember hearing old timers at meetings complaining about women who would come and bring their kids, you know. Oh, they're interrupting the meeting. Well, they have a right to get sober too, old timer. You need to go through the steps again. You need to work it out on who you are. This program's for everybody, you know. No matter who you are out there, if you want to get sober, this is the program you want to come to. We're here to help everybody. It doesn't matter, you know. There are no prejudice in this program. Alcohol and drugs have no prejudice. They'll take out anybody, young, old, black, white, green, yellow, purple, it don't matter. You know, whatever your preference in religion is, you know. You could be a Satanist. It doesn't matter who you are. Alcohol will take you out. That's what it's all about. It wants to kill you. It wants to destroy you. It wants you alone. So it can do all of that to you. And we surround you with people in a fellowship so that you're not alone so it can't do that to you. This is the place you want to be. It's the only thing that works. You know, mankind has never come out with a program. Alcoholism has been around since before Jesus, long before that. As soon as they started crushing grapes or whatever else they get booze from, you know. It's always been there, you know. I mean, Jesus turned water into wine, but he didn't do it every day, you know. <laughs> yeah, and he had a sip. He didn't have yeah. an 18-pack, a 20-pack. That reminds me of... Uh, when I when I was Gary said something to me one time that really was cool to put it in perspective, kind of like what you were just saying was, uh, he goes, AJ, I never sat down and had eighteen Poland Springs bottles of water, <laughs> and I was like, that's like, and but that's back to the allergy point, yeah, yeah, like our allergy, and and if anybody is new or listening who who is. Once you realize that you have an allergy, I think it's a huge step in recovery because um, this is poison to us and it will kill you. And that's part of what, what I'm here. I'm trying because we're built to drink. Like we are built to drink. I was, that was who I was. Like I 
that de- kind of defined my personality the last year or so. And see how weird that is? That's something you you bragged about in your day. You know, you were a drinker. I can drink 100 friggin' beers. I can go all friggin' night. I'm the best. At what, dude? <laughs> Being a drunk? I mean, you, you did get drunk a lot. It wasn't like you stayed sober constantly. You just didn't realize you were drunk anymore. You know, you were drunk 24-7. You just didn't realize it because you were so used to it. It was normality to you. You know? Shit-faced was normality. And it's not normal. I mean, that's what no, we're here not. to tell people. <laughs> and society it, it doesn't agree with that, though. I mean, you look at the look at these ads. I saw an ad for vodka yesterday. It was like rosé. Rosé wine is like the big thing now. Whatever I hear about, ro- I don't know. That used to be big. Remember, like Ernest and Julio Gallo rosé wine. <laughs> so it's back, apparently, Paul. Yeah. And I saw this advertisement on a fucking billboard yesterday. It said, Rosé Vodka, yes, we are geniuses. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they're in, they're in the like business this. of selling I go like booze. This. I'm you know? a fucking asshole. Yeah, well, they're selling booze like the prescription companies are selling drugs, yeah, you know. Yeah. Once again, it's back to allergies. Some people can do that in safety. Right. That's you know? right. That's right. And I got to be careful and, and with that. Yes. We as alcoholics cannot do that. I There's nothing wrong with people drinking. Who can drink? Please, please you know? aim at me and knock me off you know? my high Cause, horse. Because you kind of said you were a drinker. You could handle it. No, you couldn't. You're an AA, man. You know, if and you I, could handle it, you'd still be out there. If I was normal. <laughs> Having a glass. Right. If I you was know, normal. Of rose vodka, you know. And parties. You, know, you wouldn't be drinking quarts and fifths of it or gallons of it, you know. That's the difference between us and regular people. Someone will have a glass, you know, before dinner or a glass after dinner. We, we have a, a fifth or a quart. And then when we get up in the morning, we have another fifth just to take the edge off from the quart we had the night before. That is not normal. It's not you normal. Know? And if that's you out there, then you're not normal, dudes. You know, I mean, I know it seems like normality to you because you've been doing it a really long time, but it's not. And, Can- and, it's, and if you're not happy and if you can't look in the mirror out in, in anymore and you're tired of the person you're seeing, you're tired of being sick and tired of being sick and tired, then AA is the program for you, you know? This is the place you want to be. You can be that newcomer that comes in, sits down at this meeting, and there are meetings everywhere. If you get an AA book, you call up you call up the agency and get the number, or you can call 411 or whatever it is people do anymore to Google get information. It. Google, it. Google it, there you go, AJ. I'm an old timer, you know? <laughs> Google it. And before you know it, you know, you'll find a meeting, you go in there, and we'll be grabbing you because you'll be sitting there looking like shit, and when we will come you, and we will help save your life. You help you save your life. You know, and and, and this, uh, you know, I say it in the opening. We are not spokespersons for AA, but and and this is not at all. I'm not affiliated with Alcoholics Anonymous, but we do it. Like that's our program. Now, I have friends who do NA. Some people who do, you know, um, reco- um, Al-Anon. Well, that too. Uh, celebrate recovery is enough. Whatever it takes for you. If you if if fucking. Drinking Gatorade or eating brownies or, you know, scuba diving keeps you sober, then fucking do that. Because if you don't have an allergy to those things, you're better off than drinking. Because if you have an allergy to booze and you continue to drink, three things are going to happen. And you know this, Paul. You're going to have severe disability, major organ failure, or death. Three yeah. things. Yeah, and there's a lot of spiritual loss of values in, in, in the meantime, and you're going to be a really miserable human being, you know? And, and that's what the worst part is, is, you know, how it makes you feel. You hate yourself, you know? And and you go on, 
You know, and you know you don't want. You know what it is. The, the turning point is when you're drinking when you don't want to drink. That, that's that's when you cross the line. Ugh. You know, you, you drink because you want to drink, fine. But then when you're drinking when you don't want to drink because you have to drink, that's a problem. If you're out there and you're drinking because you have to drink, not because you want to drink, you should try AA. You know, that's what this program's all about. That's why AJ and I are talking. You know, we're, we're not saying this is that or this is that. We're saying what worked for us. We were a couple of drunks out there. You know. We don't. We didn't have anything to do with each other before this program, and uh, you know we met each other through the program because we had something in common. You know, we we drank because we didn't when we didn't want to drink. You know, and we got together and we talked about it, and we realized that we didn't have to drink when we don't want to drink anymore. And that's what AA taught us is how to not drink when we don't want to drink. You know, and I don't want to drink anymore ever because I don't ever want to feel like the person that I was when I was sitting in that first meeting when I came in feeling like shit and spiritually beaten to death. You know, until then people found me in that early meeting and they brought me to life again. Told me happy birthday. It's the first day of the rest of your life, man. You're in the right place. You're going to live. Things are going to get better. And and that's what happened. These people didn't lie to me. And I don't know why they should have lied. I didn't know them. There was, you know, and it's hard to trust them at first, you know. But why would they lie to you? What did they get to gain? You have nothing left. They can't take anything from you. They never took anything from me. They just gave me and gave me and gave me and gave me. You know, and then when I started feeling like they said I would, I decided to start giving back. You know, and that's what we're trying to do here today is give back, you know. Yeah. Give back to them people that are out there, the desperate souls that are out there, you know. I mean, uh, it's amazing, you know. Aerosmith Smith wrote that song about it, you know. And it's all about it. You know, the rockers out there get sober too eventually. You know, no they, they're doubt. on the highway to hell, no, you know. No doubt. But, uh, that's a good point, actually. Maybe we can... Maybe we can finish the, with this. Maybe we can't. We're an hour in, but you talk about music. You know what? I've always loved music. You know, I play like you. I used. To, I, I. I love it. I love music. Music has been a huge tool in my sobriety, and I'll tell you what. It's not like I mean, Led Zeppelin is. I, I, I have pirate Led Zeppelin blood. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. It's one of my favorite things in the world, man. Led Zeppelin. But I've been listening to a lot of spiritual music, mm-hmm. rock and roll, whatever. Some of it's country, and I don't like country. But like this guy Zach Williams, and it's it has it's it's changed my life. Like now that's a that that saying actually gets a bad rap because when I say it changed my life, it hasn't changed my whole life. But and what I do is I find good. I subscribe to, and this is for me. I like music, yeah. but it's a huge tool. I subscribe to a service because I have the CDs, but it's it's kind of a luxury. But it's fourteen bucks a month for my whole family, and I get all the music I want, and I make playlists with music that make me feel good. Right, and that's, that's what, what I put in, to do. and yeah. that's what I put into my my brain. And when I'm thinking good, then I'm feeling good, and when I'm feeling good, then I'm acting the right way. Yeah. Yeah, so you change your your feelings and music is changing. You know, I mean, years ago you you listened to music that talked about drinking and drugging and partying and and debaucherizing. You know, yeah. and now you listen to music that's about you know doing spiritual yeah. things and doing things right. I mean, yeah. that's that's what you're into. Yeah, you know, that's why there's so many different forms of music. There are music makes you feel good. You know, music is memories. You know, I mean, music is just oh yeah incredible stuff. You know, we're, we're both very musical people. You know, I mean, oh, yeah. I, I did it all my life and I'm doing it again now and. And I hope to do it until I can't hold the guitar up anymore. Sometimes I got to. Sometimes I got to sit and play. Now you know that bass guitar gets pretty heavy. <laughs> I don't jump around with it as much as I used to. You know. You ever find? You ever hear a song that makes you give you like um, a bad memory about boozing? And you have to turn the channel. 
Has that has that happened to you? Not really. Yeah. Not about boozing. You know, it's all about women. You know, right? I mean, you know, it does songs, because it music is back, like time capsules. It brings to back me, these feelings to me. I mean, whatever you know, you hear a song from say nineteen. I don't want to date myself. <laughs> you know, but way back when, yeah. And, and you hear that song, and that song reminds you about where you were back then. Yeah. You know, whether it was a good memory or a bad memory, a certain girl or a certain person. You know, something that happened in life, and that's you know when I listen to music. That's what it does for me. It brings me back to different times. It's like I said, like a time port thing. Yeah, it is. You know, it just brings you back. And the feeling comes with that. You know, how you felt back then about that particular thing. You know, if there was a song in a certain summer that made you feel good, you know, you hear that song and it makes you feel it good. Does. You know, It's wild. There's songs that remind it's... me of certain women, you know. It's... And, and, you know, ex-loves, but... When I hear the song and it reminds me of them, I remember about the good times with them. Yeah. You know, so yeah. they're, they're memories. Yeah. You know, yeah. And, and memories are great. I mean, that's what we have. You know, I mean, that's cool. what life's all about, you know, is, is making memories. You now know? it I mean, is, yeah. I had bad memories too, but, you know, if I didn't do everything I had done prior to getting to AA, I wouldn't have got to AA. We would have never met. All right. the people I know now would have never met. And we wouldn't be out there trying to help the people who need us to help them now. I think I, I kind of went down that path, you know, walked down that path so I could get to the place where I am now. You know, this is how I arrived here, helping them newcomers in this meeting. You know, doing what I do. Paul, people say, oh, Paul, you're great with newcomers. How did I get there? I had to walk the path that they were going to walk first, you know. You know, it's like in a job. I won't give you a job that I wouldn't do myself, you know. Well, I won't explain to you how to do something that I didn't go down that road myself. I know how to help you out because listen to me, dude. I've been there, dude. I've done that, you know. And, and it didn't work out, you know. And if, and if it's not working out for you, if you're still enjoying it, then fine. You know, I always tell newcomers, too, you know, you come into the program and you're not liking it. Try it for 60 days. It don't work for you. Go right back to where you were. Your, your misery is guaranteed to be right back there waiting for you. Yep. And your disease will even kick your ass a little more for going away. You know? It's, it's you, good. You, you won't lose anything. It'll be right there waiting for you, you know? You had a couple good things right there. First, that first part of that, you were talking about your life and, and, and kind of like life um, rewind there and remembering the past. And that's acceptance. Like I heard acceptance with you. It, it, that's the way it rolled out. That was God's plan for me. And you have accepted that. And that is like, that's really healthy. <laughs> yeah. You know, well, you got and, to, you know, you first get into, you know, when you, but early, because I just want to finish the point yeah, because, good. because you're not beating yourself up. We come exactly. in and we're, we're killing ourselves for yeah. what we did in the past. And it's all right, man. We have been there. You're going to come and you're going to hear us tell these stories and you're going to realize that you're not alone. Yeah, well, and, that's the and, thing. And drugs okay. think about it's their okay. misery, you know, and the things they've done, the people they've wronged, and they feel really bad. Especially you start getting clean and sober, and you start remembering all this stuff, you know. And, and you got to realize there's nothing you can do about that. You know, you can't change the past. It is what it is. And it's all you okay. have is today, and yeah. it's okay. You know, like like I had just said, you know, whatever road it was, I walked down. I walked down that road to get to this road. Yeah. You know, if I hadn't walked down that road, I would have never got here. Yeah. You know, and, and I'm glad I got here. Mm, you know, because I enjoy doing what I'm doing. You know, I, I love helping people, man. You know, the you second know? thing that was just the last thing. The second thing you were talking about is about telling people how you do it. And and that's right. It's like if you're coming in and, and you ask a guy to sponsor you or, or if you make a friend, you know, listen, listen. And if if he's going to tell you how he or she's going to tell you how she did it. And uh, most of the time, if they've been around a little bit, I would say stick around with that person. But if you got to move and switch around and maybe you don't jive with one guy and you want to you hook on another guy's heels, that's cool too, man. Whatever works, just get your ass in the seat. Yeah. 
get you, get yourself in there. You get, your, get yourself in there. Open your ears and listen. And don't. I like when people say, "Don't compare yourself to other people because you'll be dead in the water." Look for something that you can pick out that you can identify with, and that means you can hear something that hits you in the gut, and you're like. Oh, I've been there. Oh, I've done that. Oh, I understand what he's saying. Paul said, you said, come for 60 days. If you come for 60 days, I mean, come forever. But if you're just starting and you want to put like a time limit on it, if you say, okay, I'll come for 60 days, you're going to hear somebody if your ears are open. You're going to hear somebody that you can identify with if your ears are open. If you're, if you're not hearing it, you got you to gotta do something different because everybody... I talked to kind of tells the same story with that in the beginning. Like they were beat down. They were willing to try it. They had their ears open. They were listening, open-minded and and they heard something that said, shit, man, that makes sense. I'm coming back next week. Well, that's kind of, you know what I was talking about? The gift of desperation. I mean, that's a weird thing to say. Gift of desperation to be desperate. That's a gift. Well, in our, my case it was because if I wasn't that desperate to, to do something about changing my life, I would have never fallen into this path, you know, and that's why I call it the gift of desperation, you know what I mean? And it's hard when you're in the beginning, you know, I, I always said at meetings too, you hear somebody, you know, raise their hand and say, I'm a grateful recovering alcoholic. When I had two months sobriety, I wasn't a grateful recovering alcoholic. I was miserable because I was missing my booze. You know, early meetings out here, see someone raise their hand and say that I want to get up and punch him in the face. I'll give you a grateful, man. You know, I'm miserable. How can you sit there and say you're grateful? Stop smiling. You know, <laughs> I'm miserable, you know. But that's why you're telling people, man, it's going to get better. You're miserable because that's where you brought yourself to. Yep. You know, it was a long road there. Yep. You know, now we've taken away the booze. That's a start. But that was that was what you fell on all the time to help keep you miserable. You just didn't realize that. You thought it made you feel better, but it didn't. It made you even more miserable. Yep. You got rid of that. Now we learn how so you now you're gonna learn how you can make yourself feel better. Right. You know, and we're gonna show you the path. This worked for me. It might not work for you. Maybe something somebody else didn't work for you. You know, you shop around like in anything else. You listen, you take a little bit from each person, you know. Right. You hear my whole story, you say, Well, I listened to you for an hour. I liked about two minutes of what you said. Good. Well take that two minutes right. and apply it to your life. You know, and then take two minutes from what someone else said, AJ say, and apply it to your life. As long as it's something you can relate to, you know, and, and then you can work that into your own program. Because we all have our own programs. We're all our own people. We're all individuals. We just have the common allergy, which is alcoholism, you know. We work t- towards that, and then you go on with your life, you know. I got sober with people and everything. You know, we hung around for two, three years and stuff like that, and then they kind of went off their own ways, and I was kind of bummed about that three years in the sobriety. Well, this one did that. You know what? Everybody went off their own ways because they got their lives back. We went holding on to each other tight to not drinking and watching each other every every 24 hours to stay sober because we had to do that in the beginning. We had to hang tight together, go to meetings all the time, hang around, try to laugh together, you know, and stay sober. Then eventually you can, you can let go a little and you can spread out a little. And before you know it, three, four, five years down the line, you've got your own life again. Now you're looking at getting married again or you've, you've saved your life or you moved on. You did something else, you know. But the thing is you get your life back. And that's why you came here in the first place is to get your life back. 
You and will. You think it's just to put down the booze, and you know, then you realize later you put down the booze, and now you're finding out who you are, who Paul is, or who AJ is, and you're getting a life now, man, and you're feeling good about it. You're not walking around feeling like a piece of shit anymore. You're feeling really good about life, and that's really good to feel really good about life, man, so you know? Good. It's just an awesome thing, you know? Is, and then that's what sobriety is all about. It's like feeling good about yourself again, being happy, you know, and trying to share that with other people. You have to. You know? Being truthful and being happy and sharing that with other people is not a bad thing, you know? I used to hear a guy, uh, there's so many people I could quote from, you know, I've been oh, in this yeah. program a long time, you know? And uh, he used to say, you know, I've had people tell me, don't go in AA, it's a brainwashing, you know? He'd say, well, you know what? My brain could use some washing. That's right. It, it hasn't done well for me. It's a dirty mind and it needs Filthy. to be cleaned out, you yeah. know? Yeah. And I used to laugh and I'd listen to that, you know? Yeah. He was the same guy that told me we mentioned God a few times. He was the same guy. No, this guy, he wasn't even my sponsor, but I used to see him a lot. He was a big guy, you know, this and that. And I used to respect him, you know? Anybody who's bigger than me and kick my ass, I respect him, you know? And <laughs> yeah, okay. But but he was he was very happy and very spiritual. That's what was weird about it. And I had never seen anything like that. He wasn't like a bully. He was like helping people and stuff like that, you know? I've heard people say that to me. Oh, you look like a biker. You look like this. I thought you were mean. And you're a real nice guy, you know? Well, that's how I felt about this guy. You know, he looked like he was a badass, but he was a really nice guy, you know? And and, and he would say, um, oh, what was it? Oh, shit, I forget now where I was going. Oh, we were talking about God and the spiritual thing. He's the one that gave me this saying. I've mentioned it many times at programs, you know. He would would say all the time, it means that Alcoholics Anonymous is not a religious program. It's a spiritual program. Religion is for people who are afraid to go to hell. Spirituality is for people who have already been there. And that's why we're in this program. We want to get out of hell. Yeah. We want to live a happy spiritual life. You know, we tried the other way. And of course, like I said, if you're, you're not unhappy with where you are, you know, cook some more. But if you want to get out, get out of the frying pan and not into the fire, but out, yeah. you know, to the happy world, cool yeah. off and uh, chill out and, and get your life and go down the road that, you know, God has intended you to go in the first place, you know, because God, God don't create shit. Yeah. You know, if you become a piece of shit, then... That wasn't God's doing. You did that on your own. You have your own free will. Nice. You know, and if, if you're tired of being that, you know, I mean, we're here to help you. You know, we're, we're not priests. We're not, you know, this. we're not saviors or anything like that. We're just other people, other drunks who can give you advice on how to get sober the way we got sober. And we got sober by help, the advice that other people gave us. You know, and the program is passed on that way from one drunk to another. You know, and uh, and that's what keeps you going. And, um it's it's really worth a try if you're out there and you're miserable, you know. This this is this is help, you know. You can't go to the doctor and get a prescription for it, you know. You know you can't go to the hospital and have them do an operation. You've got to come in here and it's a slow process, and you will get better one day at a time. Nice brother. It's always awesome talking to you, brother. I you love know? you. And uh, I love you too, man. You know. And, this and that's stuff, one thing I know, you know. I know it's so cool. Like you can. It's, program it just lets you um, it te- just teaches you like how to be like it's okay to express your feeling to another man <laughs> it is okay yeah. so anyway I love you brother you taught me so much thanks for riding down alright you got it brother anytime we'll be back again alright bye Ding dong.
Oh, well, we're not recording, are we? So, we are? Yes. Oh.